0: Uh, (laughs) Well, hello and welcome to episode 206 of The Cool Room. We're getting towards the end of 2023, but we've still got some great things coming up for you. Kicking off with today's episode with Annalise from Medic Brewing. Uh, as you'll hear, a really interesting story and some really great beers to accompany it. Uh, I think we've got a couple of those tasting packs left in our online store. Uh, they're really beers that, particularly down in Victoria, probably New South Wales as well, you don't see as much uh, If you're not lucky enough to be living around the brewery, they're a bit of a rarity, uh, but they really are great beers. Medic, uh, as you will hear, uh, got Champion Small Brewery of the Year, well-deserved given the kinds of beers they're producing. So if you're at all interested in these beers go over to our online store and grab them so that you can sip along as you listen to the episode. That's obviously the best way to enjoy it. And, look, we've got still a heap of things coming up in Cool Room Land in 2023. Uh, We've got two live shows left. We're going to be welcoming Willie the Boatman uh, onto the show, Uh, really looking forward to that, an iconic New South Wales brewery. And then to round out the year for online store, online shows at least, will be Adroit Theory all the way from the US. uh, A great six pack in our online store for that episode. 99 bucks for the six pack. Now, obviously that's not cheap. Um, by normal standards. But these are the kinds of beers that are going for $20, $25 each in other online stores. So when you think of it in that way, you're saving 20 or $30 by grabbing the six-pack version. Some really amazing beers and the opportunity to sit down and talk directly with Mark and listen to him describe the beers as we sip them in the call cool room Zoom room on a Thursday night. Um, really hope you can support us with that one. These are the kinds of ones where we've got to outlay a heap of cash to get the beers in in the first place. And so it's important that we do sell them. So if you're looking for a Christmas treat for yourself, if you're looking for a Christmas treat for someone else, grab those beers. And then come and join us after Christmas on the 29th of December out at Hawker's Brewing. Uh, We're going to be live in the flesh uh, out there in the evening of the 29th talking with Maz... Sampling those great Hawkers beers and getting together with all of our fellow Cool Roomans. Uh, we know the beers are exceptional out at Hawkers. We know the chat with Maz is always fascinating. Man, with great stories and heaps of insights into brewing. And look, if you want to look at your very best uh, when you come and join us for Hawkers, then you're going to need to go to the online store and grab yourself a Cool Room T-shirt or a Cool Room hoodie. Uh, even if you're not a regular pack buyer, here's a way you can support the podcast Make sure we stay on the air uh, by grabbing either uh, a men's or women's T-shirt or a unisex hoodie. Uh, They look really great. I've been wearing mine and getting all sorts of compliments from people. Actually, genuinely, that's the case. I was at the grand final for the women's footy in the AFL yesterday, and while I was off at the bar, someone tried to steal my hoodie, and my wife said, no, that's my husband's, and this person said, no, no. It's, uh, it's, it's my hoodie. Now, we were pretty confident it wasn't because at the moment there is only one of those hoodies in existence. So well done, uh, Chutzpah Rise, for the person who tried to claim it was theirs. If you want one, rather than having to steal it from me at a football game, head over to the merch section of our online store and support us by grabbing a T-shirt or a hoodie OK, look, that's a heap of spruiking. Uh We are going to get into the episode now. Mr Warren Wu joining me and welcoming Annalise from Medic Bruin. Well, hello and welcome to episode 206 of The Cool Room. Excellent to have everyone on board tonight. Here we are in our online Zoom room We have some really exciting beers lined up tonight. We have Maddox Brewing joining us live from Queensland. And not only that, we have Mr Warren Wu, my regular co-host, back here in the Zoom room with us. Mr Wu, it's been a little while. I mean, been a little while since you've been in the Zoom room. Not a little while since we've seen each other, which was about 15 minutes ago. You were going off to uh, create... A Malaysian spag bowl in your kitchen.
1: I keep on saying that the spag bowl was one part. The Malaysian zucchini salad was a separate component because spaghetti bolognese doesn't have a particularly large vegetable content. So just to make it something different. Anyway, yes. I was going
0: to say, (laughs) welcome, welcome to vegetable discussion, (laughs) David and Warren. I I have a real fear. Can I say, Mister Wu? I, I did indicate this to you earlier that tonight could be medieval uh, literature studies with David and Warren. We could, there's a number of rabbit holes we could slip down tonight. But, Mr Wu, I'm leaving it up to you to guide the (laughs) ship away
1: from those rocks. Yeah, let's guide the ship away. Um, Yes, thank you, David. Uh, Yeah, life has been good. I've been trouncing around your constituency, your uh, the, I believe you library, visited my new library.
0: as yes, I was the only person explore. responsible for the opening of a multi-million-dollar library, which I'm most
1: certainly yeah. not. But I, I like by by complete coincidence, I know some of the architects who are acting as um, project managers, and I also know the person who's in charge of information and in libraries. Uh, kind of six degrees separation card deals with that person. So yeah, it was. It, really- I like the six degrees joke there. <laughs> I didn't get it, but you know, anyway. Anyone... The, the architectural company is 60. Oh, people. yes. <laughs> oh, I'm not, I'm yeah, really I also. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, good one. Yeah. Anyway, can...
0: welcome to Architecture and Library Talk with David and Warren, mate. Um, get this so yeah, show lot,
1: back on the road. A lot happening around Melbourne, so it's been, it's been, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, great time to be out and about. Um, but the weather's quite different. Uh, it's a little bit, different from where Annalise is up in... Uh, oh, hold on. David rolled his eyes. Was that the terrible segue I just made to drag this back on track?
0: Mate, I'm happy with any segue that gets us talking craft beer with Annalise. Yeah, a- yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> uh, Annalise, apparently it's ridiculously hot where you are. Um, I thought that might be a good place to start uh, where is where are you? Where is Maddox Brewing? Where are we where are we talking about? Where, for, particularly for a lot of our international listeners and and people who who join us through the podcast from all over the world, um, where can they find you?
2: Yes, well, um, first of all, thank you for, for having me on this uh, podcast. Um, yes, where is Madoc Beer Brewing Company? Um, first off, I can say we're the only Belgian-owned and operated brewery in the whole of Australia. Wow. And we operate from the beautiful, hot today, Gold Coast in southeast Queensland.
1: Excellent. Um yeah. Yeah, my my I didn't complete the segue. It's awful and raining and and really wet in in uh, Melbourne, which kind of works in my head for what a lot a lot what we think about Belgian beers. Um, what well, that they
2: are rainy and, and no, <laughs> no 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 that they,
1: they can be appropriate. thanks, thanks for thanks for just turning that into the train wreck that it actually was. Um but no, it's, in terms of in terms of the styles we occasionally think about when we think of Belgian beers. But there's such an amazing broad range. Well I do, David, rolling his eyes again. Um I think of Trappists and triples and all those things which which suit our 15-degree raining weather a little bit more than this delicious blonde that I'm drinking?
2: Yes, well, um, absolutely. Belgium is definitely known for all its doubles, triples, quadruples, all those heavy beers, um, the saisons, wild fermentation beers, um, absolutely all those beers that you usually would drink Um, sitting in front of a fireplace whilst it's raining outside, but still uh, to be enjoyed with your friends and family. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yes, here we are on on the Gold Coast, and um, the beers do do well up here. They are also to be enjoyed in hot, sunny weather.
1: Um, So if we were to visit your taproom on a Thursday night... Uh, what were we experiencing what, what should we be drinking on that hot gold Coast night and um, yeah, what would we be experiencing there?
2: Well, um, I am actually sitting in the brewery I'm, I'm sitting in our upstairs function room downstairs. The whole tap room is full of people today. Um, trivia is about to start as well, and uh, what they usually drink up here is um, of course, it is a tap room. We still have got all those double, triples, quadruples, and everything that people tend to take home with them as takeaways. In our tap room, we've got more the lower alcohol beers as well as a range. So they drink blonde, our wit beer, um, our lager is going extremely well up here as well. So yes, we we definitely have got a range of the lower alcohol, um, easy drinking beers that that can be enjoyed in this hot weather. Um.
1: We might, while we, while we mention the beers, we should talk about the blonde, which we've got in front of us. Um, would yes. you like to give us a little bit of a tour of this beer and, and what's, um, uh, what we're drinking and and uh, perhaps a touch of the production, uh, a, a little insight into the production of this beer?
2: Yes. So I still have to open mine, so I'm <laughs> going to do that. But um, I also want to mention that a blonde is actually best drunk in some sort of tulip glass for its aroma and flavor. And a Belgian beer tends to be um, poured with a really nice head as well. So that is what we always try to do as well when we are pouring a Belgian-style beer. It should have have a head. Um, very important for us. We do get quite a few customers that raise their eyebrows um, to us when we are pouring a beer for them and say, well, the glass ain't full. And then we start educating them why it, uh, our beers should have, uh, have a head. Geez, a lot of is in there. That's <laughs> hard for me to pronounce. And by, um, and by yes. a head,
0: I should just say, for people who are listening to the podcast, that's where the bulk of people will be encountering us. You just don't mean like I guess in Victoria, normally you'd say you know one finger's worth of head is what most punters would expect on top of their on top of their pot. A good head, oh, by good version, is something a lot uh, a lot thicker than that, isn't it?
2: Yeah, well, we go at least with three fingers of head. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So in our glassware that we have in our tap room, again, Belgian style beers tend to be poured in specific glassware. We try to do that as well. So um, our, all our beer glasses do have a plimsoll so that we can deliberately um, educate our people that they do get a full serve and that the rest should be ahead. So, yes, our Blonde, a good head on top of it to keep the aroma and the flavor. And a Belgian Blonde is, is a very subtle beer. It's, it's, it's actually a Belgian-style pale ale. So it's got that subtle fruitiness, that subtle hop spice, but it sits at 5.2% and it just drinks very easily. It's, it's, for me, it's a beautiful beer. Mm.
0: Can you talk uh, to us perhaps a little bit about the colour of what we should be seeing? And certainly the, the beers we're going to be having tonight, we're going to be finishing off with a beer that colour is spectacular. But obviously, you know, that's a big part of what people experience when they are tasting a beer. What do they get on the nose? What do they see in the glass before they even taste it for the first time?
2: Yes. So um, our Belgian Blonde is a pale ale, as I said. So it's a pale-coloured ale. So it's got a golden hue to it. It's light in colour and the aroma as well. You get that sniff of the moulds, the subtle fruitiness and everything. So it's, it's just really a, a beautiful beer to enjoy, whilst it has got all those Belgian yeast flavours as well.
0: And are there particular grains that you particular malts that are contributing to the colour and perhaps not so much the flavour or is it just a a product of which beers or so which malts are in there to give the flavours the same ones that are giving it the colour that we're seeing?
2: Well um, it's funny that you ask because we as as Belgian brewers here in Australia we we do get a lot of questions about where do we source our ingredients Mm. and yes of course we do have quite a few ingredients at specifically come from europe but this blonde that we are drinking here is actually a a very special one because this one is made with more than 80 percent of australian malts so um again it's a pale colored malt it is actually just a normal um pilsner malt actually uh, but one that is uh, being grown and molded here in australia for this particular beer. So even though we are doing the Belgian-style beers, we really try to work on um, the ecological footprint and everything, um, help the Australian agriculture, and try to recreate all our Belgian beers, but then with Australian ingredients.
1: Uh, Just on that, just a little bit of a a, a segue, well, not even a segue, a little bit of a, a... So I suppose a side quest. I'm going to call it a side quest. Um, have you had any difficulty finding ingredients uh, that that you'd typically use in, in some of the Belgian styles uh, in the oh. Gold Coast? Have there been things that have been tough to find? And what's some examples that you'd?
2: Absolutely. So um, what we as Belgian brewers do use often is, for example, candy syrup. So mm-hmm. that is a sugar, uh, sugar syrup but derived from sugar beets, whilst here in Australia, everything is derived from sugar cane. So the sugar beet sugar has got a more specific flavor, and a lot of that has, is used in Belgian beer styles as well. And it is always hard to um, get access to um, candy syrup. Um, fun fact is actually, well, fun. It's not even fun. It's actually it, it's not even realistic if you think about it. Uh-huh. So it's been made in Belgium. We asked the uh, producer to ship it directly to us. It uh-huh. cannot be done because the main supplier for Australia works out of America. So it actually has to go over America to come and land into Australia. Oh, wow. And that is kind of ridiculous.
1: Right? <laughs> yeah. So
2: we are working really hard to find better ways to source the candy syrup. And, and even um, see if we can get it produced, like, with raw sugar, sugar beet sugar, um, shipped over to Australia to then make it up here. Oh,
1: wow. That is fascinating. Um, what but, is no, because th- people, people here don't
0: probably have no idea what sugar beet sugar yeah. is. Uh, it's obviously, you know, one of the strange things about living in a country that does have tropical areas is that we can grow sugar cane and have access mm. to that. And because that's such a cheap way to produce sugar, that's obviously how we do it, but that's not the common way, particularly in Europe, is it?
2: No, a sugar beet is—it's kind of like an onion; it, it grows under the ground, um, and yeah, we've got farmlands full of sugar beets, and then um, it's been given as animal feed as well because it's got that high uh, sugar content.
1: Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it's amazing. What what so what does it bring? What would it bring to a beer? That let's say a syrup made out of of um Oh what yeah, what particularly does it bring out of a beer? What what difference do you find it brings as opposed to cane a cane uh spirit? Cane oh,
2: um I personally found that when when we moved to Australia seven years ago, that the sugar up here had some sort of licorice bitter taste to it and ah, yes. um, especially when when we are um, tasting the brown sugars it's got it's got that bitter sweet to it yes and i've never have experienced that so when we are using that in our beers in a belgian style beer i can immediately identify that but when it's brewed with sugar candy sugar yep. candy sugar or sugar beet sugar mm-hmm. um I can recognise that. And for me, it's way sweeter as well.
1: Yeah, that's quite remarkable. I never thought we'd stumble into into yeah the sugar industry, the different sugar industry between Australia and and, the UK, and, and Europe. But, yeah, that's fascinating. There were okay. all of these rabbit holes I was worried about. That wasn't yeah, quite yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, least there's plenty not, more yeah at least there's not medieval literature rabbit hole, but yeah, that's great. We'll get to that we'll get to that <laughs> um
2: well, it's all about stories right
1: yeah <laughs> exactly right <laughs> and educa- and education like you mentioned before, so being I'm, I'm i suspect that and this might be an assumption as a as as like a um a thinking about the gold Coast, but I think that the uh, people on the Gold coast aren't necessarily the audience that would be that would 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 be as embracing as yeah it, it's my different. target market yeah like no. it's, yeah I feel like it's a tough tougher market than you, yeah to potentially crack
2: yes well um Yes, and and you are right. Without saying something bad about the Gold <laughs> yeah, Coast, no, no, they're this wonderful. Is, this people. is our home, and and, yeah. and this is where we live, and this is the area that we cho- choose when we move to Australia. Yeah. Seven and you have a full
1: tap room tonight. Yeah. Yes, uh,
2: so, oh, thank you, but but it is true. It's um, look, if we can succeed here, we can succeed everywhere, right? Yeah. But um, Sydney and and Melbourne yes if if we were to have our brewery and taproom over there, we sometimes wonder about it 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 might have been even easier or, or even better um but we love the Gold Coast. Hey, we didn't move from that rainy, always gray looking Belgium with its beautiful buildings and history and everything um but we 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 didn't move countries to go and live in the rain and the cold again i believe yes so we we wanted a change of life and a change of scenery so we chose out um the beautiful gold coast and this is where our heart is and this is where we where we belong but yes if we were to have our business in um sydney or melbourne it it potentially would have looked different for us
1: and not to yeah i think not to turn this into a socio-political podcast
0: uh, no, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Henry um, Kissinger has
1: died today. We've that we've lived it into a long way. Yeah, that's before. it. Has yeah. We've, we've lived, uh, yeah uh, half, halfway through the first period you know, we're talking about Kissinger. Um but but I think I think the same reason you moved uh, to the Gold Coast and you you appreciate that. A lot of distractions and a lot of other great things to to enjoy on the Gold Coast. And kind of the more cerebral uh activity of drinking uh Belgian beers, which a lot of them would not necessarily be be exposed to yeah me my, my my gut feeling was it would be a little bit tougher um yeah, but it sounds like as I said you'll go full yeah. tap room
2: no um look the uh, well but 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 it but it works and mm. um yes we are a destination brewery and uh although we do get a lot of melbournians and and how do you call them sid Ciders sydney ciders yeah. yes um so yes we are a destination brewery and we've got a very good local following um we are a little bit on our own um but yeah that that all it brings to Brings to us, brings to our
1: story
0: as well. Can I just ask? I mean, I feel like there's a really obvious question there, which is why did you choose to move from Belgium Mm. to the Gold Coast? And what did you know about the Gold Coast? Had you visited Australia before? Was it just that you saw SeaWorld? How much time do we
2: have? No, um, I'll try to keep it brief, but I can go as long as I want to. Um, I was an exchange student in 97, and I actually uh, did my U11 in Mentone, Melbourne. Ah, Mentone so Girls? To, or... yeah. uh, yes, just a state school, um, Mentone Girls Secondary High, High School. Lived with a host family in Mentone as well. So I lived there for 11 months. Absolutely loved it. Loved the, I'm going to put it in a brackets a little bit, loved the Australian culture, mm. loved the people, loved the friendliness, loved, loved everything about it. So it always has been in my heart to come back. And I often tell people, as soon as you place one foot in Australia, you never get that foot back. It will always try to drag the rest of your country, uh, the rest of your body back. And a lot of people can... And see that as well, once they visited Australia, they always longed to come back. So going back to Belgium, being only 18, um, met the man of my dreams, started a life together, built a business, build a house, started children. And like we all are, we got stuck in life. Um, so mm-hmm. then mid-30s, um, I had it in my head that we needed a change and as i have always been looking into visa are we still eligible for a visa for australia um i found a pathway and i just lured my whole family in coming over and here we are 7 years in
1: wow that's, that's quite yeah, that- yeah. Quite and fantastic. Then, I think we're both. Yes, but, water yeah, water yeah, water. We're, we're, yeah, we we dream of the other way round. I think David, <laughs> Like just pulling, dragging our family over to Europe and spending and like.
2: Uh, why? But, but maybe I, David doesn't. I will say, as as many migrants um, have said it before, it definitely is not easy just to pick up everything, uh, sell off everything, and start mm-hmm. all over again, um, because you've got. When you're already in your late 30s, early 40s and have got a family, you've got way more to lose as well because you've mm. built up everything already and you just need to sit it out. So if, if, you, if you sell up everything and start all over again, it, it is, it's not easy
0: we'll move beers in a second and we're going to talk more about your story particularly <laughs> as medic brewery but were you brewing over in belgium before or no. were, you, were you engineers or, <laughs> or what were your lives over no,
2: there um no not at all um we actually had for over 15 years an air conditioning business so we didn't service um houses we did them as well, but that was only a small portion. We actually did more um, industrial air conditioning. Like we cool rooms? We serviced hospitals. Sorry?
0: Like cool rooms, for instance? Are cool you gonna be,
2: rooms, yes. Are you going to have the biggest
0: backup store? Are you going to have, like, more cool room stores well, than any other guest we've ever had?
2: Well, the cold, our cold room here is not that big. But, yeah, so so we've got Jimmy. My husband has got the technical background, Um We've done that for 15 years. We were quite successful in our field. Uh, We sold everything up. Um, and, And there is that one particular part as in why did you then choose brewing? Well, I can say whenever you go into somebody's house, somebody's office, a hospital, you will never say to anybody, oh, geez, oh, my God, the the temperature up here is just beautiful. Who installed the air conditioning? (laughs) Nobody cares about it. Nobody wants to know how well fitted is The the ducted aircon has been placed into the ceiling. Mm. Nobody cares about that. It's always, it's too cold. It's too hot. It's leaking. It's not working. When are you coming to fix it? My bill is too high. Why, why, why? Mm -hmm. So after 15 years, we said, um, we we ain't going to do air conditioning anymore. Um my husband and I, we always had our shared passion of, of brewing beer. Uh, we were always drinking together and everything loved the Belgian beer culture. So we decided prior to our immigration to go back to school and, and become professional brewers. So we learned the trade in Belgium from um, Belgian experienced brewers. Uh, for example, one of our teachers was a cellarmeister of Rodenbach. Uh, wow. World famous brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got plenty more of those examples. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, we did that prior to us migrating to Australia and then we started out of our tiny little garage in a in a normal house.
0: And That's can incredible. I ask this is sorry, sorry, Warren, this is the question that you know that different interviewers from Australia always ask people from overseas because everyone in Australia is a bit obsessed with what people from overseas think about Australia. What did you know about Australian beer and Australian beer culture?
2: What What did I know about the Australian beer culture? Oh, I can say that somebody that knew that we were going to go or were interested in going to Australia brought us over a stone and wood bottle to oh, Belgium.
1: Uh,
2: yeah. and, and I believe that's the only thing that I knew at that given time about the Australian craft beer scene. And that must have been 2014. 2015, so it must have been Stone and Wood's early stages as well.
0: Mm, Must have absolutely been. That's right at the cutting edge of of them. So that's fascinating. It's always just interesting to know because, obviously, we've had long-term breweries here. We've had, you know, other breweries that have sprung up along the way, but to hear what people overseas know is always really interesting. I can see Mr Wu doing exactly what I want him to be doing, which is opening that next beer, the special Belgian I'm going to get my pronunciation very wrong. Right I don't
1: before. even know why you're to try. <laughs> I'm
2: it's trying, a because I did seven,
0: yeah, because I did year seven French, and I presume that must be something like Flemish. Uh, uh
2: no, not at all, not at all. Flemish no, no, is no, actually I've... quite similar to Dutch from mm. the Netherlands.
0: Oh, good, uh, well, that's because... put me in an even worse place, then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> worse place.
0: No, no, no.
2: Well, in terms of my um, capacity to pronounce anything. Yeah, so uh, Belgium has got three national languages. Um, and so we speak Flemish or French or German. And we are from the Flemish part of Belgium, so in between Antwerp and Ghent. Um, that, those are two cities that a lot of Australians that have visited Europe uh, would mm. have gone to. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's, it's a beautiful part of Europe, but... I prefer Australia for the moment. <laughs> well,
0: that's that's our gain in Europe, <laughs> uh, particularly over when you were back in Belgium. Were there local breweries, or which of the breweries did you sort of, you know, knock around in, drink, or were you a wine drinker or something else? So we should ask as well, I guess.
2: When when we moved to Australia, you mean?
0: Oh, no, when you when you were back in Belgium, like. Which, oh, what which, breweries. which styles were you having and um, sort of where were you for... Like if I said to you, what was the first craft beer you ever drank? What?
2: Oh, that, that is a hard question for me because it, the legal drinking age in, in Belgium is also different. Um, so um, I know that I have been drinking from a fairly young age uh, in comparison to Australia. Um, and as a teenager... 14, 15, 16, 16 was, is more so the legal age of, of drinking, um, we started on, on with beers. So mm-hmm. the typical who garden. Um, that is something that a lot of young teenagers start to drink on because it's got that very soft, subtle, citrusy tone and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, fruit beers, cherry beers are very common as well, as in first introductions. Um, but yeah, and then quickly... You go into the doubles, the triples, the quadruples, and, and when you go into a restaurant, that is what you drink.
0: It's funny, I think, because Hoggarten is one of those beers that for a certain generation of Australians, yeah. by which I'm referring to myself, mm-hmm. uh, is one of those beers that we associate amongst our first craft experiences. And even though it's from the other side of the world, it's one of those ones where you go, Oh wow! Beer can be something very different to mm. what we were experiencing in the, I guess, the early nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I so
2: like our that. special belge, the next beer.
0: Exactly. Well, you've, you've you've segued well. Let's let's start to talk about an even just what I see in the glass. First
2: of all, first of all, you see that it's got a beautiful amber like amber copper color. <laughs> Slightly the darker color is than our
1: blonde. It's It's absolutely stunning, especially mm. like um, I've got mine in a wine glass and it just, it, yeah, it's really. Yes. Mm.
2: Thank you. So it's got, again, that beautiful soft nose with slightly maltiness and slightly yeast uh, aromas and everything. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you taste it, it's got that, that, the full explosion of big Belgian beer flavors. So whilst it's only 4.4%, it is a very, very light beer, but it's got a ton of flavor. Ooh. And there is a story behind it, if I may. So Ooh. this special Belge is a specific beer style, which has been created in Belgium uh, around the 1920s. Because Belgium all of a sudden was flooded with those um, pilsners and lagers from the Czech Republic. And Mm -hmm. we Belgians, we were drinking those higher alcohol ales and everything. So we couldn't let that happen. So the Belgian Brewers Association wrote out a competition to all the breweries in the country stating, guys, this ain't happening to us. Let's create a new beer style. First up, it needs to be an ale because We are great at ales. Mm -hmm. Secondly, needs to be low in alcohol because the lagers and such, they are very low in alcohol. So it needs to be low. And three, we are going to do everything that we do well. The big Belgian beer flavors have to sit in that cup of beer as well. Mm-hmm. And that's where the Special Belge came about. It is a, it's a traditional beer style that goes up in Trent, goes out of Trent. It mm-hmm. is, um, at the moment, coming back in Trent. Um, there are only a couple of breweries in Belgium that still make it to date, and, and apparently there is one in Australia.
0: <laughs> <laughs> can, you give, can you tell us what those Belgian ones are for people who mm-hmm. – because yeah, we have listeners all around the world. You know, what, oh, you, the most- what are those hmm? –
2: uh, the most famous one is uh, Palom Special Belch. From um, it's a, it's a big brewery. It's it's an amazing beer. It's got the same reddish hue to it, and it it just drinks beautiful.
0: What I loved here in the Zoom room, uh, and I love the fact that we have so many regular people who come and join us on a Thursday night in the Zoom room, thinking everyone who does, is that Marcus was almost so excited about that brewery that he fell backwards into a fiddler. <laughs> fiddler um, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, <laughs> this beer is drinking absolutely deliciously. I agree with Warren and in your info at the start about... The prime Melbourne night we have for drinking these kinds of beers, this to mm. me is like a perfect night to be drinking a beer like this. Yeah,
1: it's, and it's got such a really lovely complexity on the nose, like a, like kiwi fruits, and there's some stone fruit in there, a little bit of mango, lots and lots of citrus, and then on the palate, yeah, just more that rich, rich kind of multi hue going on. It's it's a really deli- considering. Yes. It's 4.4%. There's a lot yes, going
2: on. Yes, and without anything really overpowering, and, and mm-hmm. that is pretty typical in a Belgian beer. It's always really well balanced. Everything just complements each other in aroma, in flavor. There's, there's nothing really outspoken in it, mm-hmm. and that is what we really are, are, are trying to do as well.
1: How much does the the, the more historical, traditional beers of Belgium play a so how much the history and, for example, this one where it was a, a integral part of kind of holding up a Belgian tradition um, play in what you're trying to do? I feel like it's an important aspect of of, of your brand.
2: Yes, it's, it's definitely an important aspect of our brand. We do in our taproom then a lot of beer education and our customers truly enjoy that as well. Um, when we when we are doing a tasting paddle, the the customers do get an explanation about every beer. Um, we really take them on a journey as well. So when we've got a new customer in, we we do have the questions. Oh, I like a, an an APA. Do you have a pale ale? Or I like an IPA. Do you have an IPA? And then mm-hmm. we take them on a journey, and we try to reverse it and say, "Hey, but we 've got this and this and this we 've got fourteen taps, and every beer is very different to one, it, one, it, one another mm-hmm. Maybe you should can we take you on a journey let Let us try something. let us give you a little taster and and people are very excited about that, and we we take them on a journey. And we educate them a lot about the Belgian beer culture and the flavours and the aromas and where it all comes from and the history behind every beer. So it's, it's always fun to uh, be here in the taproom and, and, and see us do all this as well.
0: Can I ask on that note why you chose these three beers tonight and why in the order that we're having them? For people who are new at craft beer, why is this the order to have them? And also... But genuinely, why not the quad, which is part of our pack? Uh, why not that one included along the way? Or is that just for when we turn the recording off
1: and we sit round as friends? Just quietly. I'm uh, glad the quad isn't part of this because I don't think yeah. <laughs> it very hard.
2: Well, I've, I've done other podcasts with the quad included. And, well, it, it does get rowdy and fun at the end of the evening uh, because our quadruple is indeed a 9.5% beer, but it drinks beautifully. It's, it's got that big flavour. It's bold. It's got everything that it needs, and it's just the perfect beer for a... But whilst you 're having a good conversation with friends um, mm. and you just see that you see that just experiencing in the room, so why did I choose the blonde special Belge and upcoming the rain um, order. Go, mm. yes well you there are a few rules in beer drinking you go from light to darker beers, you go from low alcohol to high alcohol you go from not so much flavor to big flavors. Whilst our darkest beer sits here in the middle and not at the end, Mm. whilst our special belch is lower in alcohol than the blonde, the order here is reversed indeed. Um, I have chosen the blonde as a first because it's a very nice, subtle beer to do, to start a conversation, to, to open up. Um, what we're going to talk about, um, it's just a perfect starter for every evening. Mm-hmm. Then our special belt shows that as a second option because it's got those big, bold flavors and everything. And, and, and again, it just brings everything together. And then uh, later on, the Reynard, we're going to see that. That's higher in alcohol. That's just beautiful to finish off the, the, the evening with great laughter.
0: I think that's a great answer, genuinely. And for people who are trying to figure out, you know, whether you're opening a bar or just figuring out you've bought a diff- few different beers from a bottle shop, which you to drink them in, there's some insights there. But also this beer has some great stories in it as well, and that's part of the, f- the fun of it is yeah. that, you know, the first beer we're talking sort of a little bit sort of practicalities, and then we get to this beer and we can start to talk a few of the longest-form stories about, you know, the history of the style and also your history as well, which is where Mr. Warren might take us a little bit now.
1: Yeah, I was, I was, so did, after you, so you obviously um, took a very structured path into, into craft brewing in terms of your education and making sure that you, you understood the process. Um, what, but apart from the love of beer, did anything else make you decide that, that, that this would be the right way to go, that you could land in Australia and and, and open a brewery?
2: Um oh, I think um it, there is always a little bit that part of you're moving to another country, you wanna keep somehow towards your traditions and, and mm-hmm. what you know yep. and you and because you love that. At heart, you want to share that with other people as well. Mm-hmm. And whilst in our tap room, on our beer labels, it's not that we are screaming that we are Belgian. We are mm-hmm. not having any Belgian flags or anything on our tap room. We are—we have moved to Australia predominantly to integrate with the Australians as well, not to stand here and say, "Hey, everything about Belgium is is best." Then I shouldn't have left Belgium. <laughs> um, but it's so for us. It's all about integration and everything. But we do want to share where we come from and what we love and our beer history with within the best beer drinkers in the world, which are Australians, because apparently they drink more beer per year per head than we Belgians do.
1: Really? That's a that sounds. like... am surprised. Thing. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised. It's yeah.
2: I'm not surprised. I'm, I've moved up here. I'm not surprised <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um,
1: in terms of the, I'm I'm interested in kind of the other cultural things that you that you bring to to your venue and your brand. Um, do you, do you do any specific events as well, which which celebrate um uh, your your homeland and. In terms yes. of yeah, try to educate that way.
2: Yes. So there is one week um, in the whole year that we do celebrate everything Belgian, which is uh, Belgian Beer Week for us, and that sits around the 21st of July, which is Belgian National Day. Um, and then we we pull out every flag that we've got um, here in the tap room. We hang them everywhere. Uh, we serve mussels. Um, we we. Um, often try to dress up in our Belgian colours as well, um, put on a little bit of more Flemish or French music. Um, yeah, that is one week that we, we do bring, like take everything out and, and decorate the whole place in um, black, yellow and red.
0: I mean, there are a few <laughs> special beers that only get made at that time Ooh, of the yeah. year for that. Good call. I'm sorry? Are there special beers that you only make for that time of the year, like we all? Oh have... yes,
2: absolutely. Um, so last year we didn't we did an awesome beer. We had the Belgian waffle beer because yes, Belgium. What is Belgium known for? It's uh, beer, of course. It's chocolates. It's waffles. It's French fries, although they are from Belgium, not from France. And Belgium is also known for lace. Lace in the glass when the foam dissipates, but also lace that we see on, on wedding dresses and tablecloths and anything.
0: Really, yeah, to the side. Um, and welcome to Textiles Talk with David <laughs> Roberts. <laughs>
2: I did it's not all know that, that the stories and <laughs> the history. Um, no, tell, no, us, uh, the, uh, tell we, us the lace story. We, I feel
0: like we need to know.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, there are so many lace stories, indeed. But no we last year we made um a belgian waffle beer with um a beer with belgian sugar waffles mm-hmm. and it also also with belgian beers um they mature really well mm mm-hmm. Because they are not that hop driven forward and everything where hop flavors do deteriorate pretty fast. And here in Australia, the beer beer culture is actually drink as fast as it is bottled, drink it as, as fresh as possible. Well, Belgian beers work the other way around because they are not that hop driven, but more yeast driven and malt driven. Mm -hmm. The flavors actually develop over time and increase in flavor. Yes, they do have a point where it deteriorates again, but Belgian beer is actually best enjoyed when it's about three to six to eight months old. So that is a perception that we really need to educate people as well. But with that Belgian waffle beer that we made, whilst we had it very fresh at Belgian beer week, Two, three months after that, it was just a beautiful beer with those <laughs> vanilla sugary notes in there. So it was uh, very, very good. Um,
1: all right, though, so I feel like a Belgian waffle beer sounds like a very uh, modern, modern microbrewery, uh, Australian modern microbrewery beer to be releasing. Um, and from there, our pack, a lot of your beers are of your of the brand and your traditional styles. Um, is there a is there a, a kind of a pull to to try more of what what the craft beer industry is doing now, and to add those little elements to to your to your brewery?
2: Well, we we do see here in the Australian craft beer industry and culture that a lot of customers do come up to the bar and ask, what's new? What's new? What do you have new? Because craft beer tend to be everything is the newest and Mm -hmm. the latest. And what's new on tap? Um, We do have 16 up to 20 different beers in uh, in rotation. Mm -hmm. And, yes, we do bring out new flavors and new beers quite often, Mm -hmm. but not as often as other breweries do. Mm -hmm. Because we see that um, all our beers are being loved for and people are really excited when that triple is back on tap once it hasn't been on tap for a couple of months or when um, the special belge is coming back on tap. People are really excited to see the rotation within the beers that we've got.
1: You recently won a small brewery at the Indies, which is amazing that 's congratulations that 's a, that's a pretty massive achievement, considering how many independent crop brewers are in australia that's that's, that's yes, really it, ridiculous
2: we We were really, really happy with that outcome of course it 's um, a great achievement for for the brewery and for its team for uh, my husband, the head brewer. Um, as well, um, yes, no. We we got crown champion um, independent small brewery of Australia, and it's just fantastic to see that even with with Belgian style beers, um, we get the recognition for it. So it's it's opening a lot of doors for us now, um, which is just amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. What, what does what do those what does that mean when you say opening a lot of doors? Does that mean if you're trying to sell beers into bars or venues or that well, previously you've got uh, something you can it, have your hat on or what does it actually look like if you, if you're doing <coughs> that or more people visiting the brewery, for instance?
2: Well, absolutely. It's, look, of course, the phone hasn't stopped ringing in the first weeks after winning that award because everybody wanted to have our beers on tap in their tap room, in, in, in mm. the bottle shops. So, yes, sales definitely have, have increased. Um, our beers are now available in uh, New South Wales as well. So we, we found ourselves a, a partner to distribute our beers in New South Wales. So um, if you're living there, watch out in the, in the Better Independent Bottle Shops. The beers are coming um so we've got that as well with Tasmania. We are talking with uh, Victoria for the moment as well. so things are happening and and that is just awesome to see. but also on, on a personal level, w- knowing that one you have done your best in producing those beers, they are your babies and for my husband, for example, he hates participating at those competitions. He literally hates it because it is your beers, your babies, to being mm. judged and criticized upon. So, And you never really know what the outcome is going to be, but you, you give it your all and, and you bring in the beers in their best shining position. So having received that, that nomination and then, like, winning it, it it's, a, it's like the recognition for the hard work that you put in. And, and yes, apparently we are brewing awesome beers. And I mm-hmm. find it very hard to say because I, I, I want to brag about it, but I do not want to brag about it. it the, mm-hmm. the beers are good, but it's just receiving that that recognition. It's it is a great feeling.
0: That's fantastic, and what a, what a good excuse to brag, like. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes, absolutely. <laughs>
0: Well, here we are. We're back in the Zoom room. Um, We've had two excellent beers already from Matic. We haven't spoken about where their name comes from, but we're going to have an excuse in a minute. We're going to start to go down the medieval literature rabbit hole that I've been looking forward to all night. (laughs) But The man to guide us through that experience is going to be Mr Warren Wu. Mr Warren Wu. I've just opened the Reynard, the Strong Amber Ale. Mm. Uh, this has taken me back to my childhood, like, genuinely. I didn't realise that I knew where this name come, came from until I opened up Wikipedia last night. You're an educated man. You're a man of letters and a man of words. <laughs> Let's have you guide us through this bit of the experience uh, with our delicious uh, beer that we have in front of us right now.
1: Mm. <laughs> I'm just going to back off that... <laughs> that, um, whew, okay, yeah, sure. Man of men of education and letters, um, <clears throat> so, uh, I've, I'm, I'm, did you know, I set you up too much there, mate? Yeah, yeah, but like strong amber ale, um, and it's, yeah, it's a really different beast. Uh, David, why does this take you back anywhere? I'm not sure where it's taking you well, it. because. I, I feel like I need to sort of,
0: I, I will edit this somewhat. Yeah, OK. There's a long tradition, Annalise, of Mr Wu ignoring most of the questions that I write and send through to both the guests and <laughs> him. And one of the... I think it was question three of the whole night is why Maddox as a name. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was. Yeah. And... I didn't think, although you suggested, you're the first guest who's ever suggested questions after 206 episodes, can I say, and quite rightly you said, if we haven't already discussed where the name came from, now would be a good time to do it. And I thought there's no way we'll get to this part of the podcast without having discussed the name. We need to discuss Maddox and we need to discuss Reynard as a name. But give us us the history of Maddox Brewing and why that name.
2: Okay, so it's it's back to me now.
0: Mm, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fair question.
2: I'll edit, it. I'll edit it
0: to make it sound like it was always you.
2: <laughs> I know. Um, yes, Madoc, It is um, not a typical a brewery name or something. Um, Madoc, Where does that come from? It's it's got quite a of an interesting story as well. So it was in yeah. the 18, wasn't he? I'm sorry.
0: Madoc was one of the 18. No, that out.
2: was Murdoch, I believe. Murdoch. No, <laughs> no we're talking that out. about yes. Madoc. Mm-hmm. So as I already discussed this before, um, Maddoch, our brewery tend to be um, um, working around story, a story in every beer. That is our baseline. So it's about the story of about us, where we as persons come from and how, why we, we started this business. It's story about every beer, it's the beer education, it's the beer history. Why is a triple called a triple? Why a quadruple, a quadruple? What is a special belge? And we've got all those stories to tell. But then thirdly, MADOC, where, where is that based upon? So MADOC is also a piece of history, a piece of tradition that we want to share with you guys. So it refers to a medieval tale that goes around in the area where we literally come from in Belgium. So all the towns around where we lived all had a name referring to the story or a street name or a park or there were statues everywhere. It was just all around us everywhere that we looked. So what does it mean? It is a reference to the writer of that medieval story and the story is about Reynard the Fox. So think a medieval mini player that goes around with his guitar from town to town to tell all the peasants the story about morals and values. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does that in a verse-like way because they—they just—it was a play that they did. So the first verse of the story of Reynard the Fox goes: Willem, who wrote the Book of Madoc, writes down here the story of Reynard the fox. So the book of Madoc is then something, it's a piece of literature that has not been found in modern days. We To date, it's still a piece of mystery. But all we know is that he wrote the book um, of Reynard the fox as well. And here we come to Reynard. Reynard is the flagship of our business, of our brand. And um, the story as well goes about Reynard, a very, very sly fox that does everything wrong. He steals, he he rapes, he murders, he, he does everything wrong. And all the animals in the animal kingdom come and complain to King Noble the lion so that Reynard can get punished. So when Reinhardt's sly as he is, when uh, Noble the lion sends out his army to go and capture Reinhardt, Reinhardt, sly as he is, always gets away. He always sneaks out. But I'm trying to keep this sh- short. Oh, Honestly, no, no, I can no, go for no, i you the
0: dealing with a thousand years' worth of literary history. So, but,
2: you know. um, everybody here in Australia knows this story by heart already because I'm telling you the mid-European story. That um, got around in the early um, start in early 1200s. Mm-hmm. England has got its own adaptation of the same story, and it comes under the form of Robin Hood. Because Robin Hood, as we know him in the movies, he steals, he murders. He the raping part, I'm, I'm not sure sure about, but there is always a love scene in the movies, always, right? Um, and he also gets punished by um, King Richard, the English king. And King Richard also sends out his army to go and capture Robin Hood. But Robin Hood always flees and always gets away. That is the English adaptation of the same story of Reynard the Fox.
0: Why? So the fox is always the trickster, he's always the one yes. who's naughty around the edges. Just like Robin Hood.
2: Yes, uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So the, the story of Reynard the Fox, it actually showcases that craft can win over brute strength. And that's the moral of the story as well. So here with, with our Reynard, our flagship beer, our 8.5% strong amber ale, Honestly, when you, when you sniff it, you've got that estuary appeal. You've got those yeast characters coming up, up your nose and everything. It's just beautiful. And then when you taste it, it is 8.5%, but it hides the alcohol so well. It just it drinks like lemonade. It drinks so easily, so smooth that it's truly enjoyable. And uh, we actually spiced this beer up with a t- tiny little bit of cumin to give that spicy character and everything and Yes, it is an amber colored beer, so for us, it is our rainnut and why is it sly, and why does it shine its slyness, or how do you say that it's because I said it drinks like lemonade, so if you 've got one or two and you then have to stand up, you will feel it mm. it will it will capture you. Absolutely. So we've got a noble as well, which is then our lion version, also eight and a half percent. It's a strong golden ale. That one drinks even smoother. That is just um, pills mold that we used and we raised the alcohol content and it just drinks so easily that it is that it is a quite dangerous beer, actually. Mm -hmm.
0: It sounds like our kind of beer, can I say, as well as being a dangerous
2: beer. That's that's what a lot of people say until they had a few and then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Now, we're going to start to line up our audience questions in a few moments' time, and I'm going to take control of that while Mr Warren Wu gets underway with those last few of our traditional Cool Room questions, unless he's got (laughs) some other things in mind. But if you have an audience question, please type them into the chat and I'll make a little list
1: so that we can make sure we don't double up on some great questions. Um, so moving away from myths, uh, we'll ask you about Christmas and if Santa could bring you any piece of equipment. I like what you did there.
2: <laughs> oh, what would it be? And does it has to be equipment?
1: No, no, um... it doesn't have to be equipment. It could be, yeah, could, but, but we, we like equipment because... Uh, we like the toys that are involved, but if there was something else which which uh, Santa could bring, yeah. Well, there
2: are there are always two things, right? So first of all, yes, now that um, it is kicking off for us, definitely mm. with, with winning small uh, independent brewery as well for Australia, um, it, it's going good for us. Um, it's still. A hard time we are still in this economical climate and everything, and it is hard for hospitality, uh, but we do see growth and everything there is there is some light at the end of the tunnel. It will still be a tough eighteen months, um, but but we can plan things. Um, piece of equipment i would definitely say more fermentation vessels because my husband and actually our uh, son as well who took up the trade of professional brewing now as well um they they are just pumping pumping it it's vessel is empty vessel vessel is full again the next day they are continuously brewing so more fermentation vessels would be amazing um, but then on the other side, well, if Santa can fill the sock with some some more cash flow, I would be happy as well.
1: <laughs> <I love. laughs> yes, cash, but, but some... cash flow is actually the best answer we've ever had. Yeah, that yeah that's it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and in yes. the back of my head when you said or oh, uh, when you kind hint of hinted there might not be a piece of equipment, yeah, I, as a small business owner, cash flow was what jumped into my mind. <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, ask? but, but it is what it is at the moment. It, it is, it is hard time and all cash flow has been eaten. First of all, we are a very young business. We are only two years in, in this premises. So cash flow is, is a problem. We just mm-hmm. increased our production capacity like big time. We are continuously brewing. So that, that eats it away as well. And, and yes, so anybody who has got, some some means to fill that big sock of Santa, please come forward. But, I mean, you, you can always ask, right?
1: <laughs>
0: well, it's also um, part of telling the story properly because it's genuinely, people go, wouldn't it be fun to own a brewery? And in, and in my case, wouldn't it be fun to own a pub? But part of the reason of this podcast is to say, yes, it's great fun, but there's things that keep you awake at night and it's stuff like that. Oh, that, that, that you know, it
2: it keeps me away every night. And it's not only keeping me awake, it's also keeping my husband awake. And it's also keeping our son awake. It's mm-hmm. keeping the whole family awake. Um, it's definitely not that easy. And, and honestly, we have not been able to do this on our own as well. Our capacities are also limited. Again, referring back to the beginning of, of this conversation, um, when you migrate to a new country, you've got much more to lose when you already have a family and have been established in life. You're not 20 years old with, with no funds and well, if it goes bad, well, I've lost nothing because I didn't have anything. But when you're in your 40s, you've got much more to lose already. So the risk is higher. The stress about it is much higher. Mm-hmm. So when we started this journey, we didn't, we didn't do it on our own. We do have investors with us, um, and, and it, it's been amazing working with them as well. Um, but the economic, economical um, climate at the moment, hospitality is down. It is hard for everybody, so please support your locals as much as you can. Please do. Um the brewing industry yes it's it's definitely suffering for it uh, from it um supplies have gone up massively, so mm-hmm. yes, those things keep us awake and we can't and, and somehow you have you cannot raise your prices that high because then you fear that the customers are not coming in anymore, mm-hmm. so it's that constant fine balance that that dance that you have to play and and find ways to get around it. It's not, it's not easy. So do you, then I get asked, do you, would you do it again? Of course, I get asked that question. Uh-huh. And one way I would say, yes, absolutely, because it is fun. And I love the experience and I love the contact with my customers and, and, and I love the beers and I just love everything about it, the whole beer industry. But on a financial level and, and on a mental level, it is, it's something that I potentially would reconsider doing. Absolutely.
0: Can I ask a question there? And I'll edit it out if it's too personal a question, and I mean that genuinely. You said your son is going into the industry. Yes. And the only other time we've ever spoken about family going in, into the industry was with Schlenkler from Germany, who have that family tradition. When he was 12, as my son is now, did you dream of him going into this kind of industry? Do you wish he'd gone into something sensible like being an English teacher or a French teacher or something? Or had
2: hmm. you
1: He feel would
2: definitely him? not have become an English teacher. <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, if if we were in, in air conditioning, um, our son is m- like. 100% like my husband it's, it's obvious in, in looks, in mind, in everything um, and well, moving to Australia he started his high school here so he has done his primary school back in Belgium um, school system, educational system is completely different up here so he had his struggles as well not knowing the language either so he had to learn everything as well um, being 17 he decided to drop out of school because school wasn't anything for him. And he went to the TAFE course to become a professional brewer. Because in one way, it was somehow an easy option for him to go and mm-hmm. and change over in that. So he was the youngest one, I believe, here in Queensland as a 17 year old. I had to uh, be the parent because otherwise he was not allowed to taste anything, go on excursions and anything. I really had to kind of chaperone him, um, yeah. which was fun. But um, he now is brewing with us and he's he's doing an awesome job. He is 19 year, years old now and he's experienced. He's He's got the knowledge. And it's just amazing to see. On the other hand, he's only nineteen. He's got the world in front of him. He can decide whatever that he wants. He he doesn't has to work with us. He can he can choose his future.
1: Um, I'm gonna pivot back towards um, uh, all the things you worry a little bit about. All the things you worry about. So, what have you got planned for the summer to help? um to help you guys achieve what you need to achieve um moving forward so what's some of the fun things let's let's put a good spin on this so why are you some um, of the fun
2: yeah things? no um like christmas parties are coming up now we're in full silly season everything is in full swing so it is one big party downstairs it's it's great fun we've got big live music bands and um, We are currently, luckily we've got the space and everything, bringing in jumping castles uh, on Sundays so we can cater for families and such. Because also with our beers, we tend to attract a more so mature audience. Mm-hmm. And I like to call them cultured people. People that have gone overseas, that have traveled to Europe, mm-hmm. that, that are slightly more mature, that, that are in their 30s, 40s, and that want to enjoy a good conversation whilst having a good beer rather than going to the pub and smashing a few. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. we tend to attract those families, and now we are going to cater much more for them so that their children are being, yeah, that they have fun as well when coming here.
1: Um, and I'm going to ask the traditional cool room question. Uh, and this will be, this will be kind of fascinating. Um, what's, and I'm going to, I'm going to put a little bit of a spin on it. Um, because I think I understand what a refrigeration air conditioning organisation would have been like. Like as a, as a former engineer at, at, um, at uh, Melbourne Water, the Water Authority of Melbourne, very much the same thing. You only get to hear about, like the public only hears about you when you're stuffed up. <laughs> the, yes. the public doesn't, <laughs> doesn't care about the amazing job you're doing when water's flowing through their taps. The public cares with us. so I, I understand that. So the the traditional cool room question is: What is the craziest, silliest, most ridiculous, uh, slammable thing you've ever seen in a cool room? And normally we extend that out to to um, to other to 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 all parts of your hospitality business. And this is a tougher question for you because I, it feels like that you'd be talking about your own business and you might be talking about stories which which you don't necessarily be yeah, well, telling well i've
2: i've got i've got two answers to, for you and and one is one is fun and the other one is slightly more morbid actually mm-hmm. um so the first like one is is current current cold room what 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 is fun when i enter my cold room here in the brewery mm-hmm. fun fact is, is that sometimes I feel that the beers are growing in there. And it's not about yeast or this and that. It's the amount of beers. Because when I enter my cold room, we often, which is awesome and great, we get so many customers that bring in their own home brews and Belgian-style beers, and they, they all want us to taste them and give them advice and tips oh, and techniques wonderful. and everything. And, and, and we do taste them, and we do try to provide every, everybody with feedback, and sometimes we do not get to all that feedback, but it's fun to walk into your cold room and, and think, Ooh, how many peers that I, am, am I going to find today? It is fun. It is absolutely fun. The other one, the other story is, it's, it's, as I said, it's more of a morbid one. It's um, because we did air conditioning and call rooms and everything back in Belgium for mm-hmm. over 15 years. And as I said, we serviced quite a few hospitals and everything. Mm-hmm. And in hospitals, you do have those... Um, I, I'm, I cannot pronounce it properly. Mortuary, um, yeah, yeah. Mortuary? mortuary, yes, yeah.
1: mortuary. Yes. Yeah.
2: yes, which which we needed to service as well, and you've got oh, only yeah. a time span of a couple of hours, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, well, you can imagine the things that happen in there as well, and things that have to be moved in order to fix the problems that are in there. Those things that you encounter,
0: Empty room, right so no. I'm sorry. I presume there must be some empty metal trays, some chairs where the people in the mortuary sit. Uh, that's the kind of thing you're talking <laughs> about.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. When you open a drawer, and 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 unfortunately, somebody is still in there. And those things to fix shelves. Yes, those things. Those those are the stories that you encounter when when you're doing oh, yeah. air conditioning for yeah. such operations. <laughs> That people do not think about. No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so if you're going to keep it with years, all the
2: big the Belgian it. beer bottles that enter the cauldron way more fun. And the complaints
1: from that particular refrigeration malfunction would be quite different from a lot of the complaints. Of the-
2: yeah, well, you've only got that time span that you yeah. need to go and fix it.
1: Oh, good God, that's horrifying. <laughs> you well, clearly never run a mortuary, Warren. no i've never i've my 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 um well, my father in law wants to uh start a uh mobile a mobile uh crematorium trevs Crems. you kill him we grill him um
0: <clears throat> I, I feel i feel like we were gonna allow time for audience questions, yep. but I feel like it feels like it's getting towards the end of what we should be discussing. If anyone wants to chuck in an audience question to the room, please do so. I'm going to ask a bit of a naughty question because in a minute we're going to turn the recording off and we're going to drink, well, I'm going to open the quad. What yes. should we be tasting in the quad? For anyone who's bought the tasting pack on the office, a really sort of succinct four or five minutes on what the mm-hmm. quad And even that style, because we don't experience it enough in Australia.
2: So, um, our quadruple, it is a strong, dark ale. So, first of all, what is a quadruple? Because the name itself means something. So, a quadruple actually, just waiting for the card to pass, a quadruple actually means that it's got four times the ingredients towards a normal beer. Mm -hmm. In that normal amount of water. So meaning that we will have more flavor, more um, alcohol, more body, more everything. So quadruple is a strong dark ale. It's got four times the ingredients and it's got nothing to do with Guinness, uh, Porter or Stout. No coffee flavors, no bitterness. It's um, a dark chocolatey flavor uh, with hints of burnt toffee and everything. And it's just that perfect dessert-like beer to end of your evening, to sit in front of the fireplace, to sip on whilst holding your partner in your arms, just just that one good beer to, to mm. truly enjoy.
0: That's great. Or, or to hold a giant ridiculous dog, which is what my option is <laughs> at the moment. So Lionel, <laughs> this beer while I drink my quad, I think he, he fits that, uh, that mark particularly. The one question I meant to ask all the way along, and I had forgotten until now, but I'm fascinated to know, um, the yeasts that you're using, uh, yes. are they sourced from Australia? Are they sourced from Belgium itself? Can you just give us a very quick little rundown of that? Yeah, then, Mr. It's Warren, a, it's a, you wrap the show up?
2: It's a very interesting question that you're asking, and thank you for that. So in the Australian craft beer industry, we do see that, Yeast is not a dominant ingredient, hop more is. Um, So a lot of breweries do, not all, do tend to use only one yeast type. And we all know that one yeast type, USO 5 That's the most dominant uh, yeast being used. Hmm. Um, We Belgians, we see that yeast is is more of a dominant ingredient in our beers. Um, Hops is more just for the preservation of the beer. So every beer that we have, almost all have got a different yeast strain in them. So we've got up to 16 different yeast strains that we use, and we all propagate it ourselves. So we start from a tiny little package. Jimmy does that already a week in advance before brew day, and he, and he starts like a yogurt culture. He propagates it up, feeds it, so it grows bigger, and then feeds it again, and it grows bigger, up to the right amount that we need for the fermentation vessel. They're all Belgian yeast strains, and um, they do come from overseas. They do not come from Europe. They come from America because that's where the biggest depot of Belgian yeast strains commercially is based, yes. But we do repitch and propagate them ourselves.
0: So you're propagating them from dry every time or, or saving that- them from each time around?
2: We uh, use both dry and liquid yeast, yeah. But again, it's it's a whole system. It's It's got 16 different yeasts. It's just not one packet that just comes out and, and like, baker's yeast. No, we, we've got, yeah, quite a bit of work with that.
0: I find that kind of stuff fascinating, like I really do. But thankfully, Mr mm. Warren's going to cut me off at this point right. before I spend another hour
1: doing yeast talk, because otherwise <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah, Thank you very much. This has been an amazing session. Uh, so, you'll find Maddock online at maddock.com.au. You'll have a look at yes. uh, their beers and where they're but, but, and you're on, where's your social media? Where would people find your social media?
2: Oh, so, we are on uh, Instagram and on Facebook, uh, Maddock Beer, Maddock Beer Brewing Company, and mm-hmm. you can find us there. And indeed, as you said already, um, madog.com.au
1: And if you want to go to Ashmore, your tap room's open from, it looks like from Thursday to Sunday, which is awesome. That's great beer drinking days. Uh, thank you very much. It's been a wonderful session. And um, congratulations again on the Indies. And, uh, yeah, good luck moving forward.
2: Perf, thank you very much for having me as well. I, I truly, truly enjoyed this. Thank <laughs> you.